glad that we get to be together this morning. Um, if it's your first time here, my name is Chase. I get to serve as the lead pastor, and I'm grateful for my church family. Man, I love y'all. <laughs> Man, I love y'all. Um, geez. So we are not in a sermon series. Um, uh, we have some that will be planned as we get um, further into the year. But something at the beginning of every year that I kind of, like, it, it's, a, it's a burden that sneaks up on me. And what I mean by that is I, I feel like I know what's going to happen every year, but when we get to the beginning of the year, it's just all of a sudden I feel a burden for it, and it wasn't there December 29th, 30th, or 31st, <laughs> right? Um, it's just something about the beginning of the year. I feel a need to, um, I guess, reaffirm the things I'm dedicated to as it relates to my faith. Uh, so I, um, uh, Pastor B when we were doing our teaching team meeting a few weeks back. He's like, are we going to do like a holistic health and like thing, sermon series? And I was like, yeah, yes and no, no and no. So this is unofficially that, <laughs> right? Over the next few weeks, I'll be kind of preaching about this dedication that we have to our faith as a whole body. You have some things that you're dedicated to the Lord about. And there's, and there's nuances to that, right? Some of us, we have dedications to the Lord. I'm not going to a certain place <laughs> because of what it did to me in my early 20s. <laughs> and I'll never darken that doorstep again, right? Um, and some of us are discovering what things we're committing to the Lord. But there's some things that we share. And one that we share today, and that we're talking about really is um, our dedication to having Scripture shape our lives. That's not, you might be surprised to know that not every biblical community talks about the Bible the same way we do as it relates to it being authoritative in our lives, right? What we read, we want to apply to our life. And there are some who, when they read it, that's not their primary focus, <laughs> And so one of the things I want to continue to affirm, but definitely at the beginning of the year, is we are a people, <laughs> like when we read Scripture, we need to try to find ourselves in that. And if we can't find ourselves in that, then we need to actually go ask ourselves, okay, why? Holy Spirit, help me see why I can't see myself in Scripture, why I don't feel like this applies to me, because there's something here that you have for me to apply and to shape my life. But we're gonna do so in a unique way. The sermon is self-sermon, <laughs> okay? Um, because I'm actually, I want to encourage you, and we're gonna do a little bit of training today on how you should preach to yourself. Some of you are like, what? Preach to myself? Yes, not YouTube, not podcast, you. <laughs> preach to yourself. <laughs> Um, and we'll talk through that today. I'm going to pray. We'll be in Psalm 19, select verses. I'll explain why in a moment. <laughs> Father, thank you for your word. Um, it is uh, your gift and your grace to us to reveal your heart for creation to creation. God, in these words, yes, they may be found on a tablet or a phone or a book on paper, 
but Lord, they are from your heart. And while they are written to an original audience, you have left it and preserved it for us to also glean from. So Lord, we look forward to how our lives will be shaped by your word today. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so there's a whole lot of self stuff that we actually have this little quadrant, this picture. Um, we talk a lot about like self-care and self-love, right? <laughs> which is good. Even that one that's on the, the top right, self-talk. I feel like if you aren't talking to yourself, I don't know how you're making it. <laughs> okay, there are times where I literally have to drive, and the whole time I'm in the car, Chase and I are having the most robust conversation. <laughs> and I mean, I'm answering the show. I'm somebody's like, why, why? What are you feeling? Well, I think I'm feeling this, right? <laughs> like, how did that feeling get there? Well, it got there because such and such says something about my mama, and like, <laughs> right, right? I and look, and then I have to talk myself down. <laughs> Right? I'm sincere. Like, I remember growing up and people talking about, like, there was this embarrassment around, like, um, talking to yourself as though that meant something about health. Listen, the healthiest people talk to themselves. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, and then this one on the bottom left, it's a Googled picture of self-sabotage. Right? We talk a lot about self-stuff. And if you have, most of us have experienced self-sabotage in our life at some point. It's okay. It's all right to admit it, right? We're family. We can, we can tell the truth. You've had a goal. You've had something that you have set out to do, and you wanted to blame everything around you, but the reality is that you just <laughs> sabotaged it. Um, the last one, uh, is a Googled picture um, of self-harm. There are, of course, more graphic pictures, but it's the idea that he's just punching at himself in the face. We talk about self things all the time, but I've literally never heard anyone talk about a self-serving. And I think sometimes it's because we don't, as, as believers, if you don't regularly preach, you might not know that you actually can <laughs> So no, to like, you've not been commissioned, so I just want you to know now, like, if I was like, you know, the, the king of England, I would grab a sword right now, and I'd go from <laughs> your shoulders, and I would dub thee preacher, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Receive the authority to preach to yourself, because I need you to have that, not just for this sermon, but if we're actually going to have Scripture be authoritative in our lives, it's more than just reading a devotional and trying to apply it psychologically. There is some things we have to actually do to practice that. And a self-sermon is what it is. So I, I got another picture for you. There are some times where I want you to look yourself in the eye and preach. I need, yes, it's a little monkey there with a mirror. Okay, I'm not saying anything about you. Okay. But I am saying sometimes we wild out. <laughs> okay, sometimes we need to look ourselves in the eye and preach. That may come in the form of encouragement, 
Because some of you are already doing the fire and brimstone thing to yourself. So you need to learn how to preach encouraging sermons to yourself. Some of you, that needs to be in self-discipline because you keep falling into patterns and that self-sabotage thing is there. And what I'm telling you, Scripture has what we need to build discipline into our lives. So sometimes we just actually need to look ourselves in the eye and preach for a second. We're going to be in Psalm 119, but let me tell you a little about about Psalm 119. Um, (laughs) Brenda's like, yes. (laughs) There are 176 verses in Psalm 119. Um, We ain't going to read all of them. I love the Bible, and I love you. I keep to hold both of those at the same time. Right? (laughs) I love the Bible, and I love you. (laughs) So that means we're going to read some portions of it. But Psalm 19, so excuse me, Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in all of the 150. And it is a, um, it's a poem. It's an acrostic poem. David wrote it, and it is completely about his dedication and love for the Word of God. So as you like read through Psalm 119, it talks about the law um, because that was the, that's what they called the Word of God. Like that was Scripture, right? It was the law. And David is going from in the Hebrew alphabet, starting at the beginning of the Hebrew alphabet all the way to the end for every letter, he's got this eight-line poem that says how much he loves God's word, how it has shaped his life, how it has protected him, how it has guided him, how it's girded him. And sincerely, there is not a portion of Scripture that will motivate our dedication to Scripture like Psalm 119. There really isn't. Um, I have a quarterly kind of time alone with God and Most of the time, I will start that with reading like a short book of the Bible, and then I'll start praying. But there are times where I just read Psalm 119, and it takes a minute. So some of you have that Bible in a year plan, (laughs) and you get to Psalm 119, it's like, okay, it's going to take a year in itself, (laughs) right? It takes a minute. But as you go line by line, stanza by stanza, there is something inside of you that says, man, God's word is so important. We're going to read a few of those today. Psalm 119, 9 um, and 10, the the letter is Beth, um, which is the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. How can a young person stay pure? (laughs) By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have allowed all the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. It's a poem. Right? It doesn't rhyme the way it might have even in Hebrew. But when David is thinking about how he might actually live in a way that honors God, 
sometimes I feel like we come to it as though it's a mystery, like God has a secret that he's not telling us, <laughs> right? Like, I, I'm trying to do right. <laughs> I'm trying to live well, but I can't figure it out. If you would just tell me, well, I'm huh? <laughs> He has, <laughs> right? That's not, that isn't to diminish the up and down roller coaster of what that is. I've lived that. And we all have moments of temptation and frustration. I was actually just talking about that with one of the kids this week. We're just talking about the fact that, like, there are moments where I do stuff that I know I shouldn't do. (laughs) But as opposed to beating myself up about that, there is this pattern of Scripture. If I'm trying to live my life in a way that is characteristic of God, there are patterns that show up in Scripture about how I do so about how I honor people, how I honor God. And the mystery is taken away when I give myself a sticky note that has a portion of Scripture that is speaking to what I'm challenged by, and I preach myself that portion of Scripture. I've been honest about the fact that in the past I've really struggled with lust. I went through and highlighted every single verse in Scripture that has anything to do with lust with green, my favorite color, (laughs) because it's about me. (laughs) You're talking to me today. (laughs) You got your thing. It's okay. Listen, we're family. You have your thing. We all do. Every single one of us has our thing that shows up in Scripture, and it's like you just stepped all over my toes, Holy Spirit. And as opposed to saying that, okay, yeah, that, that's, that, that makes me uncomfortable, so I'm not going to apply that. No, you need to take your favorite color and highlight it. <laughs> Make a sticky note with that portion of Scripture because it takes the mystery out of how can I live in a way that honors God. This is not about condemnation. This is not about you being, bad or, you know, being hard on yourself. It's about if you want to experience the fruit of goodness in your life, if you want to experience the fruit of consistency, I'm telling you there's no secret to it. There's no like spell or cantation to it. There is a portion of scripture that speaks to your thing. And if you want to see that thing broken up, one of the best things that we can do is highlight something that speaks to it and routinely preach myself into a pattern of godly character. Is it that easy? No, because temptation comes. But let me tell you what, it's much easier if you have that scripture on deck (laughs) and you ain't got to (laughs) flip. You ain't got to Google that one verse, (laughs) all right? Listen, if you already have it on deck, you already have it in your sermon notes, then we're good. There's another psalm, there's another poem there in Psalm 119. It's 33, um, it says this in the letter is, hey, teach me your decrees, O Lord. I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding and I will obey your instruction. I will put them into practice with all my heart. Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. Give me, okay, wait. 
Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. Some of y'all didn't even know that that was like a thing that was in Scripture because you've been trying to figure out happiness on your own, right? I'm telling you, it's not a mystery. It's just that this is the longest chapter, excuse me, the, the, the longest chapter in all of the Bible, and it might be overwhelming. I'm telling you, let that mystery be unfolded for you. Living according to God's word is a route to happiness. (laughs) Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Reassure me of your promise made to those who fear you. Help me abandon my shameful ways for your regulations are good. I long to obey your commandments. Renew my life with your goodness. I think it's okay for us to be honest about the fact that in several Christian circles, Scripture has a bad rap because we have literally been spanked with it by pastors and preachers. Like, like we have people who, like, take it and they, like, <laughs> it's like, right, and they beat us up. Um, That's not a thing. That's not how it works. The more we actually read of Scripture, the more we actually find that God's desires for us are attached to goodness, not our pain or not our shame, not our our condemnation. One of my favorite portions of Scripture is is this concept that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Most of us feel like because of what we've seen in the past, what we've experienced is that it is God's wrath that fears me into, <laughs> that fears me into turning around because we promise each other the punishment. If you don't get it together, God going to take his favor off your life. If you don't get it together, God's not going to bless you. If you don't get it together, you're going to end up in the fiery pits of the lake of fire. <laughs> Whether or not it's true, I'm not even trying to argue that. I'm telling you what Scripture says, though, is that God's kindness is actually what leads us to repentance. On the other side of that repentance, we need to have more than just the promise that there won't be pain. We also need to have the promise that there's joy on the other side of repentance. That's actually what's going to motivate us, not just running away from punishment, but actually running to a kind and gracious and loving and merciful God. It's not, it is not cumbersome and burdensome to live according to God's word. It is our, the reputation that we're given it that actually is the burden. If we could separate God's word from the bad rap that bad preachers have given it, then you could actually preach yourself into a dedication not to the constraints, but the freedom of living in God's goodness. And that's not some kind of weird, like, backward psychology. No, I'm telling you, it's pattern. I love saying this. If you water the, gra- water the grass, it's going to be green. Period. That's kind of just how it works. If you're doing it on purpose, great. 
If you're just putting a sprinkler out there so the kids can splash around in it, it doesn't matter. That section's going to be green. <laughs> if you live according to God's word, there is a pattern of good fruit that comes from it. To the point where you begin to look around and you don't even recognize some of this goodness. Like, man, this is, I was not experiencing this two years ago. I was not experiencing this a year ago. You have friends and family like, what are you doing? You got a whole glow up going on. Listen, I'm just living scripture. (laughs) Not in a pretentious way, but it just is what it is. I'm just, listen, I'm reading it and I'm living it. (laughs) It just is how that works. Renew my life with your goodness. This next one, 97. Oh, how I love your instructions. <laughs> I think about them all day long. That's meditating on the word. <laughs> your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers. For I am always thinking of your laws. I am wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations, for you have taught me well. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Some of us are working really hard to figure out how to try to get ahead in jobs and trying to get ahead in life and trying to like, okay, I got to outbeat this person, outsmart that person. I'm telling you there's a pattern here. It's not about being arrogant and it's not about being better than anybody else. There is a confidence that we get to live in when we live according to God's word. I'm just, I know it may feel like I'm beating like the same drum over and over again, but that's the part of the, that's the point of this sermon. (laughs) When we actually live what's here, we do actually have more understanding than our enemies. That just is what it is. You know why? Because we begin to understand the voice of God and the directions of God. And when we begin to understand the voice and the direction of God, we're able to hear what the Holy Spirit is also revealing to us. And when the Holy Spirit is revealing stuff that our enemies cannot see, (laughs) and someone's like, what do you mean by enemies? I'm talking about the person that's keeping you from getting your promotion. (laughs) I'm talking about the person that every single time you walk into school, they always got something to say. (laughs) I'm talking about the person that's making it difficult for you to maintain your peace on a regular basis. I'm not talking about the person who's trying to take you out. If there's a person trying to take you out, call the police. Okay? Let them worry about that. About that individual that makes it challenging for you to actually just be. There's some confidence when we start living according to God's word that allows me to like listen. I'm I'm reading this and I'm putting it into practice, God. Holy Spirit, will you help me see how I can live well in the middle of that? There's a confidence there. We don't talk about this, but we have a lot of anxiety that we carry because 
We feel like we're hiding things from ourselves, hiding things from God, hiding things from the people around us. I need to make sure that the other Christians in my life know that I'm holy. And that anxiety actually takes away our ability to be confident. Just being honest. If I'm living according to God's word, that's, I'm not saying be perfect. Trust me, I'm telling you now, there's a whole bunch of room in God's word for us to not be perfect. That's what I, listen, it's not about being perfect. It's not about never making a mistake. It's not, it's not even not about ever sinning. There's, there's things that we should do when we sin. That's in scripture, <laughs> right? So it's not about me telling you not to sin. It's not about me telling you to be perfect. But if I am constantly trying to put this word of God into place and into action in my life, even when I do trip over myself, I can confidently say, yeah, I tripped over myself that moment. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Sister, brother, will you forgive me? I don't have to hide. I don't have, I can be confident, not arrogant, confident. That's why David can write this. He can say, you've guided me through, and I feel good really kind of in every situation. Not that every situation feels good to me, but I don't have to hide myself. Listen, I messed all the way up. <laughs> all the way up. My bad. Psalms 119 and actually several other psalms are really just David preaching to himself. Psalm 13 is one of my favorite. If you're going through a hard season and it's been a minute, I'm encouraging you to read Psalm 13. It's a very short one. It's six verses. The first four verses are David being mad as all get out with God. Where you been? <laughs> How long you going to keep me in this? <laughs> And then the last two verses, but I'll trust in your unfailing love. You've been faithful, and, you'll be fa- you, and you will see me through this. It's a self-sermon. I know that we haven't thought about it that way, and so I just want you to stretch your imagination to see David preaching to himself. And you also have the authority to do so. I'm not saying preach yourself into getting what you want. That's called manifesting, and it's weird. Don't do that. (laughs) I am, though, saying if you need to be encouraged, there's something in God's word for you. You could pull that portion of scripture up, go into your bathroom or in your car where there's a mirror, look at yourself and encourage that discouragement away. I am saying, if you are in a pattern that you do not like, the fruit of it keeping up in frustration, yes, you could scour the internet for preaching about what you're dealing with, or you could get the Bible. Go into a mirror and encourage that lack of discipline 
out. Yeah, that comes with some conviction, but you by yourself, you're fine. <laughs> it's okay. So I want you to, there's a couple things I want you to think about. One, practice preaching to yourself. Some of you need to figure out your preacher voice. Some of you are like Andy Stanley, you need to get a stool <laughs> and sit there, <laughs> right? Make it, you know, make it cool. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be like deep, you know? Some of you, you need to kind of pull your T.D. Jakes out, <laughs> okay? You need to take a good <gasps> deep breath between each part of script. <laughs> Listen some of you, <laughs> right? And uh, walking in uh, the way of the Lord, <laughs> right? Sometimes you just need to do it. I'm saying, be by yourself and practice. You need to find your preacher voice, okay? Be it, you know, Priscilla Shire, <laughs> okay? Find your preacher voice because you're actually going to need to pull that preacher voice up all this year. And it doesn't need to sound different than the way you speak. But there is an authority that a preacher speaks with. That authority that a preacher speaks with is, I know I'm about to hurt some people's feelings. And it's not because I don't like them. It's because I love them. That's okay. It's, a, it's an anxious space that every single preacher has to figure out how to live in. I'm about to say some things that might potentially hurt half the people in this room. And it's not because I don't like them, it's because I love them that I'm revealing the truth, not my opinion. I'm not telling them I don't like you or so you're doing something that I don't like, no. The preacher voice isn't one of a particular sound as much as it is a particular authority to reveal truth and let the truth land where it does. <clears throat> I want you to speak God's word with authority. It is truth. Let it land where it does. Don't try to move it or manipulate it so it doesn't hurt your feelings. Let it land where it does. Let the truth do the work, not you trying to make it do something. I'm, this, this, is, this, what it look, this is what it is to preach. It really isn't some special, like, like some, something that we go in the back and we pray that God does. It really is the truth. Do we know everything about the truth? No. That's okay. It's kind of, that's a, that's a thing. I'll talk about that in a second. But when you have something in front of you that is addressing the thing that you need, it's okay for you to just kind of boldly stare yourself in the mirror. Say that truth. Let it land where it does. Practice that. I'm not saying practice on the people around you. Let, let them do that. <laughs> okay, because some of y'all was like, yes, he told me I can go practice preaching to my cousin who is trifling. No, I, no, I didn't. This is a self-sermon. 
Okay? Ain't nobody tell you to preach to everybody. Let's just say preach to yourself. Okay? <laughs> Balance your sermons. This is the training part. Balance your sermons. I already kind of said earlier, some of us are doing the fire and brimstone thing to ourselves all day anyway. You're already shaming yourself. That's not a sermon, okay? That's a whooping. And I'm not asking you to beat yourself. I'm not asking you to harm yourself spiritually. I'm not asking you to do it. I'm not saying condemn you with scripture. That's not a thing. Your Bible might be leather bound, but it's not a belt. All right, let's just be real, okay? It's not. That's not what it's designed for. It's designed to reveal truth and transform our hearts. Balance your sermons. If you wake up in the morning and you are navigating some challenge of discouragement or whatever, encourage yourself. We need those. If we need to actually stimulate seeking God more, I promise you, these psalms, if you give yourself five minutes in them, they will, and you allow your imagination to go. Don't read the scripture and then immediately get on Instagram. Read the scripture. Let it sit for a second. I promise you, there's something there. Balance it with conviction and encouragement, stimulation for your soul. Last thing, don't overthink it. <laughs> okay? Trust the Holy Spirit. Don't overthink it. Some of us are already like, I don't even know how to do that because I don't know everything there is to, to know about. Scripture, and I don't know who wrote it, and I don't know the history. Listen, don't overthink it. The same Holy Spirit that inspired it is with you. Like, at the end of the day, don't overthink it. Don't think about what you don't know. You will overwhelm yourself trying to figure out what you don't know, and you will talk yourself out of encouraging yourself with Scripture. What do you know? If you listened to it or you read it, Holy Spirit, help me to apply that. Okay, I just read something. I don't know anything about what that means. You've got people around you. Text someone. Ask them, hey, I'm reading this portion of Scripture in Hebrew, and it doesn't make any sense to me. What does this mean? Once you understand what it means, then go preach it to yourself. <laughs> what I mean by don't, work, don't overthink it, I'm not telling you to go figure out Scripture by yourself. I'm saying once you have an understanding of it, begin to authoritatively invest in your life spiritually with this word. Don't let it be a mystery. And don't wait until we do a sermon series on it. We'll do, you ask for it again in the summer, I'm sure. But if you're waiting until June to ask a question that you have the answer to, listen, <laughs> get in there. If you are like, I don't know where to start, 
we will help you figure out where to start. I'm not saying go figure it out by yourself. But I do want you to know that you have authority to impact your own life with God's word. And if we're always waiting for that impact to come from somewhere else, then most often we tend to be led by other people's convictions, other people's leadings, rather than being actually led by the Spirit for what the Spirit has for me. Over the next weeks, we'll be kind of diving into other things, but I really want to give you a little bit of a moment. I'm going to pray here in a second. But some of us need to reaffirm our commitment to God's Word. Maybe we never have actually done that. That's okay. It's not about condemnation. I want you to affirm, God, I want my life to be shaped by Scripture. Some of us aren't there yet. That's okay. God, I'm not there yet. Help me to want that. I believe there is good that you have for me in your word. Some of us have some work to do to heal from some ways in which we have been harmed by irresponsible people with scripture. God knows it's not a mystery to him. It's okay for you to say that to him too. God, there are people who hurt me with scripture. I do not know what to do with that, but I do know every time I read it, I don't trust it. You might think God's offended by that, and let me tell you, he's not. Trust me, read Psalm 13. There's a lot of things that David says in there that might be offensive. <laughs> God's not offended by our honesty. In fact, it's the other way around. He's honored by our honesty. That means I'm putting my faith into action. I'm trusting you with this hard thing, God. I may not be here today. Help me trust your word. I may not actually want it to shape my life. Help me to desire that. I do want it, but I'm not putting it into practice. God, I reaffirm my commitment to living according to your word. Wherever you are, I'll give you a second. You might need to type it in your phone, write it down, whatever. I'll pray. And then uh, yeah, we'll move. Some of us in the room, uh, the Bible is a book. 
want to tell you what we as a church family believe, but what also what I've seen. The Bible has been printed millions of times, but the words in there have a way of giving life that other books do not. It's not magic. It's not that. It's not mystical. And the truth is, the life only comes when I apply it. That's it. Hear me when I say to you, I never want you to become legalistic about Scripture. But I do want you to be intentional about it. I do want you to be intentional. And there's some people here, some may be someone here, whom, like, none of this is even, like, rising to the surface of something that I'm ready for yet. Because... You're trying to just figure it out. Perhaps you haven't actually started, began a relationship with Christ that would make it to make sense to apply scripture to your life. I want to let you know that there's something in this scripture that speaks even to where you are. Not God was so disappointed with you Not God was so angry with who you are and what you did, but God loves you and us so much that he came, lived, died, and rose to provide for us an opportunity to have consistent fullness of life. Not after we die, today, fullness of life. Not peace after we go, peace today. Not joy when it's all said and done. Joy right now. And if you're in that place where that's not your life, it's not marked by fullness, peace, or joy, but you know that that's what you need, I want to invite you to try Jesus. Not as some, like, magical way of getting what you need. But at some point, we get to a space where we've tried a lot of things, and I'm encouraging you to try Jesus. I promise you, and I'm telling you, if there's anybody in this room who's lived with Jesus for, lived with him as a part of our life for any amount of time, that's the way to go. It's not just something that we do every Sunday. It's a lifestyle. If that's who you are and where you are, just want to invite you to just put your hand in the air or stand if you want to. I want to invite you to out yourself, not in a way to make you uncomfortable, but a part of this step is saying, I actually do want that. I do want that.
I want to do. I want to pray. Then we can head out. Father, thank you. You reveal your truth and your love. Both. It's not one or the other. You reveal them both through scripture. You reveal them both in community. You reveal them both in our daily life with you. Help us to live that, to live it well. Help us to speak your word in our own lives with authority. And help us to trust you, Holy Spirit. Help us to trust one another also in the process. We need you. We surrender all over again. In Jesus' name, amen.